0: This is one of the only topics that we're doing that wasn't in our first list, Mm. like the first list that we came up with. I think we had AI
1: jobs. Sure. Yeah. But that's boring. Yeah. AI just in general is way broad, like it's so deep. Um, Do you want to just dive into it? Should we do the intro first? Yeah. Dive into it via the intro. Sure. Sure, Sure. Your turn, I think.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to Judd and Linz in every direction I'm Judd And I'm Linz This is a podcast about life All all the interesting parts (laughs) Life
1: now, is it? (laughs) Yeah,
0: you know, just generally Yeah. If you need help in your life, listen to us (laughs) Relationship podcast (laughs) Yeah, seriously though, it's about (laughs) Tech, culture, games, music, Music. society Anything interesting, we'll dig in Uh, And we've Set up a subreddit at reddit.com
1: slash r slash in every direction if you want to come and join the discussion. Uh, so today we're talking about AI. Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Uh, it, not the movie. <laughs> was that the one with like Haley Joel? <laughs>
0: the Steven Spielberg movie, yeah. Yeah, it's not about that. No, no. And that movie might not have even been about artificial intelligence. Mm, it was about, like, robot. It was robots. about
2: people. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Linz wanted to start by
0: kind of defining artificial intelligence. It's such a broad, uh, like, concept. Mm. And people have really different ideas about what it is. But if you dig into it, like, what do what the words artificial intelligence mean? Like, we know artificial means. Yeah. It's made by people. It's not natural. It's not made by nature. Yeah. But what does intelligence mean? I think cuts (laughs) to the heart of. Yeah. What is intelligence? Just in a broad sense. A lot of people think that humans are intelligent and that's like our defining Mm -hmm. um, characteristic. And that makes them think that artificial intelligence means computers that are like humans. Yeah. But intelligence is really broad and there's animals that have intelligence as well. Mm. Um, So it's interesting just to think about that. Yeah, there's many different types of intelligence. Like you
1: can think about abstract intelligence, which is just sort of raw computing or spatial or like the kind of intelligence
0: that's on IQ tests and stuff, like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like a lot of people associate intelligence with learning. Mm. But I I don't really like that definition. Like, I think a lot of animals can learn and you can learn in lots of different ways. Well, doesn't Um, learning make you intelligent? I mean, you know, if you look at like animals, like they teach their young how to hunt. Yeah. They have to learn how to do some stuff. I think it's behaviors that are not instinctual or like habitual. Okay. Some creatures, you know, like a deer give babies, uh, they have birth, they give birth like on the run and they have the baby and the (laughs) baby has to get up and start walking (laughs) within like seconds. Right. So... What do you mean? They're actually running. So, walking for them is not a learned behavior.
1: No. It's it's not an intelligent thought that they have to do that. Like part of it, I think, is making conscious decisions like humans... And that's probably even an even you know harder thing to define, like consciousness are animals conscious in the way that humans are I probably don't
0: i wouldn't say that they are but yeah I'm not, I don't think we know i think well life- it's just self awareness like there's that's one. So, I mean, there there's an actual <laughs> test that they can give to animals that defines a certain facet of intelligence. Mm. And that is self-awareness. There's yeah, only like eight animals in the world that Recognizing pass the test. themselves in a mirror and the things test like is, that. The test is that they put like a black sticker, mm-hmm. like a dot on the animal's face. <laughs> yeah. So that they can't feel that it's there. Right. And then they make themselves... Um, look in a mirror Mm. and if they notice that the black spot is there and it shouldn't be there Mm. then they try to get it off yeah and that basically tells us that what they see in the mirror they recognize that it's themselves. yeah not all animals have the capability to do that
1: um just yeah thinking about intelligence like in the natural world uh, like i would kind of define it as the ability to take input from the world via your senses and then make conscious
0: decisions based on that input? I think more generally, it's the ability to um, like figure something out. Yeah. It's the ability to kind of... Uh, predict into the future. Either experiment and find... A Mm. strategy that solves a problem that you didn't know before Mm. you started
2: Mm.
0: or to be able to apply a problem solving technique that worked with a different problem um, and apply it to something new that's not obviously the same. Yeah. So, it's kind of the ability to figure things out. Yeah. If you have animals where they can... Learn to do things, but they're always shown how to do it before by the previous generation. Mm. I mean, that's a that's a type of learning. Well, they that's have instinct. What a, like that's a fine line as well. I think instinct and learning are very different. Yeah, instinct is something that's almost hardwired. Yeah. Um. There's like a there's a fun, fun. experiment that you can do if you've got a baby. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I like in experimenting fact, on babies sure. this, is a, this is a very <laughs> fruitful Google search Is uh, experiments that you can do on your own children <laughs> But one of the really interesting ones yeah. um, That I did with my kids mm-hmm. When they're younger than nine months old You can print out like a silhouette of a spider mm. And you cut the page into four pieces So cut it in half and cut the halves in half
2: Yeah.
0: If you rotate those pieces around Then it just looks like an abstract shape Yep. And you show the different rotations to the child, they'll have absolutely no reaction. Then if you rotate the pieces back into the whole picture of the spider, your child will freak the fuck really? out. Really? Nine like 9 months. It's it's when they've got their visual wow. cortex developed to be able to recognize shape, but yeah. importantly before they've actually seen a spider.
2: Yeah. And what that insane. tells you is
0: that there is a part of their brain <laughs> that is instinctual. Yeah. That knows what a spider Scared looks like and knows to react instinctively. Wow. To recoil. I had no idea. That so, there
1: that are, was a thing.
0: There are some yeah. behaviors that are like literally hardwired and there's mm. others that are learned. Like when you touch something hot and you burn your hand. Yeah. So, if we're talking about- If we're still sort of in animals
1: and humans and why people- are defined as intelligent and some animals like you said before there's you know a few species that we would consider to have some in- some level of intelligence um compared to other animals and but I, I i suppose most animals are usually just acting instinctively generally um and reacting to their surroundings and They probably learn, well, they learn from their parents, some of them. um, But none of them
0: come anywhere near
1: humans,
0: really, do they? Some of them do have quite profound ability at abstract problem solving. Yeah. And that comes back to your um, comment about IQ tests. Mm. If you look at what IQ tests are, like a lot of the questions are like pattern matching. Yes. Yes. which yeah. of these doesn't belong. That sort
1: of abstract intelligence that's sort of
0: removed from the real world in a lot of ways. But yeah, being able to think of bad things symbolically and then to be able yeah. to manip- manipulate those symbols in your mind to reach different outcomes without actually having to physically do the thing mm. is like one of the hallmarks that we consider intelligence. Mm. Some animals really do have quite a profound ability. What's your top five animal? Animals? Things like, like- octopus... Dolphins. Um, Dolphins do have quite a bit of intelligence, but they have very little ability to manipulate their environment. Yeah. Because they live in the ocean. They're not like climbing and stuff. Yeah. Octopus.
1: Octopus are
0: incredibly intelligent. Um, Mm. There's certain birds. I think there's a type of magpie. Crows are related to magpies, but there's one type of magpie that's particularly um, (laughs) like off the charts intelligent. (laughs) Crows
1: facial recognition is on par with uh, probably AI facial recognition. Mm. Like they know individuals uh, and they will attack
0: them or avoid them. Um. There's, there's a really cool video on the net of like a crow that's been put inside, not a crow, sorry, a magpie that's been put inside basically a puzzle box mm. where it has to do like three completely unrelated abstract um, things, manipulating tools and little pieces of wood and stuff to get to a piece of food. Yeah. And it absolutely like is able to do it with no dramas. Yeah. So, yeah, there's quite a few animals that kind of fulfill different parts of that intelligence mm-hmm. thing. Um, anyway, so this is all getting quite far afield. but Yeah, I mean, we're talking about intelligence
1: in general. So, starting with people and comparing ourselves to other things that exist in the world. Um, and at some point in human history, we started inventing machines, machines. Um, they probably couldn't be really called computers in those early stages, but, um, you know, over the last 100 years or so, there is there is new types of intelligence being developed and they are, I think it's important to to stress that they are very different types of intelligence to human intelligence. And when people kind of... See the future of ai they th- often do think of it in like a human as a human that has motivations and yeah all well, of that human stuff
0: if you go back to a lot of that like historical um stuff like mm. you go back to um da vinci and even earlier like people have always had stories about um being able to create kind of new life yeah i think because a lot of people who were philosophically minded throughout history have also been religious. Mm. You know, God created us. Yeah, There's kind of been a little drive. shouldn't be. Should humans also, (laughs) if we're like God's chosen children or whatever, should we be able to create something in our own image? It's interesting to think of it as
1: life, even. To think of machines as a type of life.
0: Yeah. Um, So, I think there's like, you know, throughout history and well into current popular culture a lot of people think about can we make computers that are more like us can we make robots mm. that we can talk to and that <laughs> act like us yeah i think that idea is very very separate from what computer scientists would call actually artificial intelligence. know what AI is. And yeah. it's, it's funny because you've got these two distinct social groups that use the same phrase, but it means very different things. Mm. But actually now they're starting to converge a little bit. Yeah, the emulating of
1: human intelligence seems, I don't know, seems pointless. Kind of. Why would you want to emulate human intelligence when there's already so many humans?
0: That's kind of the thing. We designed computers to be able to do jobs that we're not good at. we're not good at. And so, why would you want to make a computer more like a human when there's already humans? Yeah. The things that we're good at, we don't need computers to do. But having said that, you know, if you take one of the classic examples of things that computers are not good at, Mm -hmm. computers are really terrible at um, vision. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly hard to give a computer a photograph and figure out what's in it. I think they're getting pretty good at it now, though. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's one of the things like people maybe 15 years ago said, you mm. know, computers are good at some things and humans are good at other things. Yep. Why should we bother making the computers good at the things humans are good at? Mm. But one thing that computers are remarkable at is doing things at scale. Yeah, You know, where one human, you could give him a photograph and he could tell you exactly what's in it. Mm. If you give him 10,000 photographs. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to manually have to look at each one. And it's going to take a long time. So, if you can bring computers up to the level where humans are at just in terms of vision. All of a sudden, we've got this massive um, apparatus where you can like parallelize and make things go a lot quicker. Mm. And people are now, now that that problem has been solved. And computers are much better at vision and identifying objects and faces and stuff. There's a whole um, huge amount of applications to that that we weren't able to really even yeah. think about before. And I
1: don't think just because, human, uh, just because computers can use vision, I don't think that's saying they're like humans and they can use that vision, as we're saying, in a different way to humans. Like um, computers having five cameras on your car that's self-driving... That's more information than a person gets when they're driving, and if it can process that, that properly, um, that's a, simply a better tool for the purpose, isn't Absolutely. it? Like if you can get 360-degree visual information about your surroundings, and you're processing
0: it much faster than humans are, um, And even you know, just the, sensors- the reaction times are better even just the sensors themselves like we have mm. infrared cameras yeah humans can't yeah. see infrared <laughs> yeah. we've got microphones that can record sounds yeah. well beyond the ability of humans yeah. so like you can if you even bring them up to par with humans mm-hmm. you can give them much better actual input mm. it's this interesting threshold where computers have been
1: obviously much better at that brute force Uh, large-scale quantity computing and stuff. And now they're actually... Their senses are surpassing human senses as well. Like, that has only happened in the last kind of 20 years. Like, a computer can obviously uh, understand speech. It can recognise faces. It can recognise emotion on faces. Uh, There's an interesting thing happening where, mm. yeah, the AI is actually now getting more information than a person can. Um,
0: yeah. And their ability to process that information um, in certain very, like, kind of surgical and precise mm. ways is well beyond our capabilities. Yeah. But they're still completely um, single-use tools. Yes. like very fit
1: for purpose. This is a car-driving AI, yeah.
0: or this is a security camera AI. Um. So, going back to the the yep. kind of beginnings of AI, mm. um, it kind of probably all started around the late 50s, early 60s, when computers were really becoming like a real thing. Yeah. And um, the problem that they were trying to solve then is basically, yeah, going back to this idea of intelligence being as being able to figure something out. Yes. When you um, program a computer, like when you write... Code and mm-hmm. you make a computer program as a developer, like you have to literally tell the computer every, every single thing, single thing. Yeah, yeah, and um, so to, Lindsay, to a level of detail that most people would find <laughs> excruciating, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, Lindsay's uh, been a developer for 15 plus years, yeah, um, quite, quite lots a lot of different languages, lots of experience.
0: And I, I really like it, but it's like the part of computer programming that's fun is problem solving. Yeah. Actually making the program can be tedious. really tedious. Yeah. Um. And and bef- completely divorced of the actual inputting of the program, mm-hmm. you as a human, you have to deeply understand the solution to the problem that you're solving before you can tell the computer how to do it. Yeah. Um, and so the very first kind of talk or the ideas around artificial intelligence was to be able to make computers that could have a, a general enough way of solving problems mm. that you don't have to tell them literally every mm, single okay. step. Yeah. So, it's like, it's kind of transitioning computers from that instinct because instinct <laughs> in animals yeah. is like, they don't think about it. Their body just knows. It's just-
1: in their programming, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and they've been programmed like quite rigidly. Yeah, That's kind of what traditional computer programs are like. Yeah, they're not artificial intelligence.
1: They're just programs, most things. And they're quite sophisticated, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we start talking about algorithms and machine learning, that's a whole different kettle of fish because the program can
0: change itself. Yeah, so in the early days, like the very first ideas around artificial intelligence was like just being able to solve a math problem. Yeah. Like you can type in a math program into a computer and get it to run it. Mm -hmm. But it's like the next step is making a program where the user can put in a problem. And the computer knows how to solve it. Yeah. And then they just kind of tried to make the uh, techniques more and more abstract. Mm. And so at that time, I don't think there was a really definite idea of what artificial intelligence was or what it was meant to be. They were treated more as tools, I suppose. A lot of people had a lot of different ideas about what they wanted computers to be able to do. And people went off in all these different directions. Um, And as a kind of side effect to that, Mm -hmm. they also wanted to be able to make the computer... More comfortable to interact with. Yeah. Okay. So things like being able to give a computer a spoken sentence or a written mm. sentence and have it understand <laughs> the words and the intent of what you're trying to say.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, is actually something that's really hard. Yeah. There's a big yeah, like part it's of our
1: happened in the last. 10, 20 years probably?
0: Well, like there's a big part of the human brain that's devoted to language. Yeah. It's very complex. Yeah. um, And it's related to so many different parts of like memory and Mm. like social behavior and stuff. But just literally getting a computer to pick apart the words in a very simple sentence... And yeah. being able to Put figure out what together. they mean yeah. is very hard. Yeah. Nobody made any real progress <laughs> until there was a big breakthrough in the field of linguistics. Mm-hmm. Um, not related to computers at all. Right. by a guy named Noam Chomsky. Yeah. He I've developed heard. Heard like it. a theory mm-hmm. of um, natural language where he was able to... Um, not just describe for a single sentence, this is how it's broken up. Yes. But he was able to describe an abstract um, structure and hierarchy of words and phrases. Rules for language. Rules that you could apply to any sentence. Yeah. And um, it's quite interesting the way that his theory works in that you kind of, it it works recursively, Mm -hmm. which is a concept that's kind of hard to explain. But if you take a really simple sentence- Um, Like Jack runs to the swing Yep You take a word like two And you immediately know that that's a bridging word In that sentence It joins two different words or phrases So on one side of it you've got Jack runs Mm. And then you've got two as the bridging word (laughs) And then you've got the swing Yeah And you can um, throw away that bridging word kind of And then take those two other Two objects and then break them down But those two objects They could be much more complex Yeah it could be the boy with the brown hair runs quickly <laughs> mm. to yep. the swing set with the red seat at the back of the playground. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you've now got much more complex phrases in those first and last parts. Yeah, You can apply the same exact technique then to break them down. Yes, And so, it forms this kind of hierarchy of the words in a phrase mm. and... The bridging words have meaning in how they relate the two phrases. The (laughs) phrases themselves can be pulled apart. So, Noam Chomsky came up with this theory that allowed us to rigidly... Yeah, linguistics. Structure. Totally separate. But because he was able to make that breakthrough, that kind of rigid structural rule Mm. um, or set of rules is something that's really easy to build in computers. And all of a sudden, like overnight, um, the field of natural language processing... Um, which is the computer version of it. Yeah. Like sprung up, and all of a sudden, people were like able to talk to computers. Yeah. And it was like in the sixties, I think that somebody really? had a okay. demo of a program called Eliza. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Eliza. Which you can you can find it on the internet now. You actually. can talk to it, and it tries attempts to answer. You, you can chat to it. You type to yeah. it, and it can understand kind of some fundamentals <laughs> about what you're trying to say, and yeah. it can reply. Yeah, because once you've got the ability to um, break those phrases down and interpret them, you can apply the same process in reverse mm. when you've got concepts you now have a framework for being able to develop the language Set to communicate replies them back. to those concepts. Yeah. There. So that was a big breakthrough and while that's not generally traditionally been a field of artificial intelligence, it's closely related. Yeah. Nowadays people are using artificial intelligence to be able to get the meaning out with more context and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that's a funny kind of line to think
1: about the those chat Computers where you are talking to the computer um, and there's been, you know, the Turing test, Alan Turing um, was trying to, I guess, get the computer to a level where it was indecipherable. Between a human and a computer.
0: Yeah, he was a really early pioneer in computing. And a lot of the ideas that he had were way too early for us Mm, to be able to actually implement them. He had a lot of really cool philosophical ideas, but he kind of believed that the human brain was basically a computer. Yeah. And that it was just a really complex one that we didn't understand very well. Yep. So, he kind of believed at some point in the future, mm. we will be able to make a computer that is just as complex. It. And I think there has been many
1: um, attempts at making those chatbot sort of things with computers and with AIs. Um, some have been self-learning where they just learn from what people say back to it yeah. and kind of build on that. Um,
0: well, so quickly
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: to, to go back to the, tw- the, the Turing test yeah. and explain that in a bit more detail, it's the idea that a computer is intelligent mm. if when chatting to it, you can't tell whether it's a computer or a machine, yeah. a, a human or a computer. Yeah. If you can't tell and it actually is a computer, then it has passed the Turing test. Yes. And so, yeah, like you said, a lot of people have been trying for like many years.
2: Yeah.
1: I think there are some that pass that test, but they're using uh, user input to create the human-like responses. Yeah. Like they're learning from all the input that they get and they evolve to kind of- Reply like humans by imitating humans, which is not the same as being intelligent and having thought, yeah, I mean, conscious thought. Like if you're just imitating what other people have said.
0: The first, <laughs> the first kind of- um, I guess a lot of humans just do that anyway. The first like chatbot that gained a lot of popularity was a version of Eliza. Mm. And it's the version that now is like the popular one. But basically it was kind of an in-joke. Where this is in like the 60s and um, kind of therapy is just really becoming kind of mainstream in America. Yeah. And there's this trope of like when you go to see a therapist in the 60s, (laughs) whenever you... How does that make you feel? Yeah, pretty much. Every time that you tell them something, they just respond with a question. A canned Um, response. And usually it will start with, how's your relationship with your parents? (laughs) Yeah, And then, you know, you say, oh... I get a bit frustrated and then they just go, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> yes. So, the first version of Eliza a was kind of a joke <laughs> that was a therapist bot. Yeah. Um, but it was like- Yeah, it just keeps asking you questions. Because to
1: ask questions, you don't necessarily have to- Understand what think, was said. Yeah, yeah, think of an answer to their question.
0: You don't have to even really understand what they were saying. No. <laughs> um, so, that was kind of- Cute and clever, yeah, but, like, yeah. a bit silly at Is the there same a bot time. that uh, creates horoscopes? Because oh, I bet that would be easy. <laughs> Maybe. You could make a mint. <laughs> there must be. Like, surely
1: no one's writing all those stupid horoscopes that apply to literally anyone, no matter who you yeah. are.
0: <laughs> the thing that's been interesting, like you were saying, in recent times is um, there's a branch of AI called machine learning. Yeah. And machine learning is, like, the... Uh, it's it's a whole huge topic of conversation that we could go into, mm. but it's a it's a method of making a computer program where the actual programmer doesn't actually know how it works. Oh, really? Because it's a really general technique. Yeah. Um, m- machine learning is based around the idea that you have a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And you have a way to measure the quality of a solution to the yeah, problem. you need to give it its like win condition. Yeah. Of. If you were yep. saying, give me a mathematical um, formula that can calculate the area of a square. Yep. You then need, when the computer goes, here's an answer, here's a, a program yes. that will do that. You then need to be able to check it and mm. s- tell it whether it's good or bad whether it's right or wrong yep. if it's on a continuous scale like how good is it how bad is it yeah and then the computer also needs to know the rules um and once it knows the kind of rules and the fitness function which is how to test its results the computer can then just go generate like millions of, of attempted yeah um like solutions for the problem. of and then it attempts. can run them through the fitness function, see which ones are good, mm. and then kind of take those and subtly change them and see if it can make them better. Um, that, that concept is called genetic computing. Yeah. Okay. And it means genetics in the sense of like evolution, yeah. taking an idea and s- making small changes to it and testing it. Mm. And machine learning is like applying um, that type of technique to like these huge sets of data that allow um, the machine to kind of see different strategies to test itself. Yeah. Are Um, we allowed to talk about chess yet? (laughs) Well, yeah. Chess is a great example. Yeah. So, chess is uh,
1: obviously a very contained system with very set rules. Um, And, yeah, the evolution of chess AIs um, and other games as well, like Go. We can talk about Go. But it has kind of run parallel to development of ai's
0: generally it's such um, a good test bed for ai strategies because it's got a simple set of rules it's mm-hmm. got a very clear fitness function like yeah that you win or lose
1: yes yeah um so yeah some of the early ones were more brute force um they would just know all the possible moves at any given time and be able to choose what they thought was the best move and they would evaluate it on a kind of uh sliding scale of does this improve the position or not um but they would only do that by looking all the way through that line so it's like if you think of a big tree with all these possibilities those brute force Early chess programs would explore entire branches of the tree um, as the opponent, you know, replied, which was a very, like, eventually once the computers got powerful enough, then it was better than humans. Because humans Um, kind of do that as well in chess. We do that as well, but we... There's a bit more intuition. There's a bit more, yeah, intuition and just knowledge, I suppose, wisdom about your history of playing and what things have worked well just generally like you're not computing 20 moves ahead but you know if you put this bishop there he will be strong at some stage Um, but yeah there's been really interesting developments in the chess AIs lately in the last kind of 10 to 15 years so obviously like Deep Blue and Kasparov that was 1993 and that was a brute force. It was a big computer, deep calculations, um, just by looking at all the possible moves and trying to- Weight es- them. Yeah, trying to weight them. Um, but yeah, recently there's been several uh, machine learning, if that's what we're calling them, um, programs. Like Google had one. There's uh, called Alpha Zero, which there was a couple of different versions of- um, and, yeah, the first one was given the database yeah. of all human games, it like was all Grandmaster a, games.
0: It was given a database of, like, 10,000 yeah. complete chess games with every single move and what the outcome was. And um, so,
1: it had a foundation of knowledge, I suppose, to know, well, in this position. So, that kind of covered, like, known positions, which... Often in chess, 30 moves is a known... You've People have played that position before and you know the best replies. Yeah. Um, and that smashed humans. Um, but then only a year or two later, they released Alpha Zero, which they gave no data to. They just gave it the rules. And then
0: they had multiple versions of it that played against itself. It played like...
1: 220 million games against itself in, like, two weeks, um, you know, running on multiple processes, and all it had was just the rules and the win condition. Yeah. And it generated more games than humans have played in history yeah. in, the, in that sort of, you know, two, four-week period, and it beat the previous version, AlphaGo, hundred to zero, a hundred games to zero. Yeah. Um, and that, it's a, just a really cool thing to think about, you know, if you can accelerate the time, I think that's the big power in AI, especially these machine learning things where they can, in any, any given data set, you just give it all the information and then let it, run scenarios over and over and over and over Mm, until it finds kind of the core of that information. And it's funny, yeah, like some people sort of say, well, can chess ever be solved in a Mm. way that tic-tac-toe has been solved? Like, is there an answer to that problem? But it's, yeah, that's why it's really interesting, these games that are so complex and have, you know- more possible moves than there are atoms in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very hard even for these super sophisticated AIs to solve them. But, you know, the rate of
0: acceleration. Um, Machine learning really, <laughs> to me, is like the, the most interesting aspect of AI. Yeah. Cause um, if- <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really solving that original um, proposition of, can we make computers that can figure things out? Yeah. You know, you you haven't had some chess expert go in and and analyze every position no. and tell the computer exactly what to do mm. when it encompass- when it encounters that um, problem. You've just given the computer a basic framework and lots of time yeah. and it has actually learned yeah in the same way that we say that we would learn. Mhm you know, like as a human, infinitely faster, as a human learning chess, like you're going through almost the exact same process. Yes. Someone teaches you the rules and you just start playing games. Every time you play a game, you make a mistake, you You learn a little bit better. You don't make that mistake again. Um, So this is like a really interesting aspect of AI, but it also opens up like a huge can of problems and also philosophical questions. Well, yeah, it's easy to
1: talk You know, it's easy to let that loose in a chess system. Um, And there's been Dota as well, which is, you know, a computer game that's quite complex. Mm, They've done the same thing with that. They just let the computer play against itself millions of times, giving it no information. And they've had the
0: exact same result. Like, they are incredibly good. They beat the best players in the world. Yeah. Um, but like obviously, they're just games. They have no yeah. They're very on finite data sets, really. Yeah, but people are applying things like machine learning to driving cars. Yeah, that's something that has like a very real and tangible impact on mm. everyday people. Mm. It could benefit a lot of people. Like all of a sudden, maybe cars will become more accessible. Um, to a much bigger part of society. I and would much. Maybe they'll be more efficient <laughs> and there'll be less fatalities. Yeah. I mean, like, could, they could be better than humans. They at this should job. be better than humans.
1: Think how terrible humans are at driving, really. Yeah. I mean, but, they're looking at their phone, they're talking to their friend. They're, as we were saying before, they're just raw input data it isn't as good as a car
0: with 10 cameras on it but there's huge problems as well. Mm. Like for one, when you make a machine learning program, um, you know what the machine learning program does and mm. you can read the source code and understand it. But the program that actually plays chess, yeah, the result of the machine learning process, no human knows how it works. Yeah. And there's no code that a human can go in and read. Oh, right. It's a very complex um network yeah. of like decision making nodes yes. that are wired together and what we so would see as a completely random way is a neural network part of machine learning are they the same thing um a neural network is like a it's like a technique yeah um that you can use you can apply it to a lot of different things you can apply it as like a decision making matrix um it's a very abstract general concept right a lot of current machine learning uses neural nets or um, some derivatives of neural nets that behave yeah. in similar ways. The most basic way to explain it is that they work in a similar way to the way that the the synapses in a human brain work. Yeah, yeah. You've got a lots and lots of small thing small very simple
2: that are pieces only
1: responsible for very small very binary
2: things,
0: choices, usually. And it's yeah. kind of the way that they're wired together and the way that information flows through them mm. that actually results in like meaningful outcomes. How do you
1: run a machine learning program for something like a car, though? Well, yeah. You would have to have it in a simulation with, they can you know, throw all the things that might happen in the real world, put them in this simulation. You can't have them just learning out on the roads.
0: It would start with simulation, you know, and if you look at video games, like there's tons of car driving video Mm. games that are at a high enough level of fidelity Mm. that to a computer um, (laughs) who doesn't know the difference between a video feed and a rendered feed coming out of a video game. It's probably good enough to get started. There's like, you know, there's probably some instinctual like hard coded stuff as well. Yeah. Um, you know, like if your uh, radar detects something within 40 meters and you're traveling at 40K, like yeah. hit the brakes.
1: <laughs> yeah, like really driving a car, I know there's a lot of complex environmental factors and a lot of input that you need, but it's actually a simple task it- in terms of from A, get to B on the roads that
0: are provided. The biggest problem. You know, it's a simple task. It, <laughs> it's a simple task, like when you say bake a pie, but like someone's got to grow the apples and pick them when they're ripe. <laughs> yeah, and there's well, actually like so, all the roads
1: are there. There's and the so many there.
0: layers though. Like yeah. first, the car needs to look at the map at like a mapping level and actually pick a route. Yeah. Then like, it needs to actually like know how to engage the actuators which control the, the physical machine yeah. they need to know how to increase the acceleration or brake i or just turn. mean it has a clear purpose that AI
1: still is for a very specific purpose um, yeah which
0: most of them are these days but but it's what- still a very hard problem to solve and actually one of the biggest yeah. problems is um we have a, a word in computer science called real-time systems Mm-hmm. And they are um, computer programs that need to take actions yeah. within a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, and in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the real world or anywhere. Yes. Like, you might have um, a computer that trades stocks. It needs to be processing on the fly and calculating things. They have something called a time budget. Yeah, okay. So, a time budget is like the amount of time that you have to make a decision. And there's a lot of computer algorithms that can um, come up with rough answers and like get them more and more yeah, precise, yeah. Yep. the more time that you have. Yep. So, some real time systems are based on that concept of mm. like, I'll, I'll get a bad answer first and then a better answer mm, and a better answer. give you answer. an approximation. And right before my time budget is done, yeah. whatever answer that I have is what you will get. That's the best we can do. Um, so, with- <laughs> with driving they have because they've got all of these sensors that we don't have Mm. they've actually got so much data to process Mm. and they need to make reactions within like 10 milliseconds yeah so they need to be able to take the the raw image data like the color of thousands of pixels yeah from 10 cameras. Old lady walking in front of the car, put on the brakes. They need to apply processing and decision making. Yeah. And they need to come to an answer within 10 milliseconds they're for already, every frame. They're already a lot better at braking than people are. Yep. But, you know, there's- um, That's like one of the challenges. The other challenge is that there are some in situations that you will encounter when you're driving that don't have a clear answer. Yeah. There's not a clear fitness function that says success or failure. Do we need to talk about human morality in AI? We do. Yeah. There's something called the trolley problem. Yeah. And it's- um, I know this one. It's a well-known problem in artificial intelligence. I pull a lever. It's specifically- Pull that lever. <laughs> it's specifically relevant to driving, but as a philosophical yeah. question, no, it, it has implications on all of artificial intelligence. Mm. And the basic problem is- that you're in a situation where you can't go forward. You have to turn left or turn right. If you turn left, you will kill like a, um, a group of one 10 person. school children. Right. Um, and if you turn right, you will kill like one elderly old man. Mm and there's no other options <laughs> like you can't break fast enough to avoid it mm. there's literally only those two choices yeah and we've all heard about like isaac asimov and his rules yeah, for the rules robotics for robotics <laughs> um you know you can't hurt hurt a human Yep. you can't through inaction allow a human to, to come hurt. to harm Yep. You can't change your own um, programming if it would alter any of these rules. Mm. That's kind of like the There's part one of about self preservation as well. That's you the can last one. Preserve your own uh, self
1: if it doesn't hurt.
0: They're humans. all in order. Yeah, that's So, right. like, the last rule is self preservation, <laughs> but not if it means breaking one of the earlier rules. Yeah. But the trolley problem is a really succinct observation that there are some circumstances mm. where you can't Those follow rules the rules. Those rules help you. Yeah. So, what do you do? Yeah. And and it, it there isn't an answer. It's no, like no. a trick question. <laughs> I think most people would say like I'll kill the one guy instead yeah. of the 10 school well, that, children. Yeah. But like what if the 10 school children are all naughty? Th-
2: Yeah. What
0: if they're They're all bad kids? (laughs) What if they're like have terminal cancer and Mm. that guy, um, you know, is like an award-winning brain surgeon? (laughs) Like, there's so many different ways to interpret the problem with information that you don't have. Yeah, that mean that both of those could be a better or a worse outcome. There's this hilarious
1: thing that people always, when we talk about general AIs and the kind of Terminator scenarios where the AI. Gets super
0: intelligent, starts taking over the world, decides that humans- You give it a goal- Are in the way. (laughs) Where the best way to solve the problem is to exterminate all humans. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's rubbish. Like that's, I
1: I think that's too simplistic and too, uh, it's like a doomsday scenario. What if you made- Okay. It's going to be so much more subtle and nuanced than that. I think for a start, there isn't going to be one AI. There's going to be many AIs that are owned by different countries, different companies. Like the world, there's not just one bank in the world. There's not just... the, uh, You know what I mean? I think there'll be multiple AIs all serving
0: their own people or owners. Where this problem really comes up is this idea that like we... Have computers now that can solve problems, they can figure it out. Yeah. We have to give them the problems, though. As okay. Well. But, like, why wouldn't we apply that technique mm-hmm. to the writing of computer programs? Yeah. And if one of the computer programs that we have to write, is a computer program that allows computers to learn, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't we make a computer learn how to write the best best program program. for machine learning?
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the exponential acceleration of machine intelligence that people talk about where if it's improving itself, it might take six months to get the first version and then two months and then two days
0: and then two hours. It won't necessarily improve itself but it will create a successor a, a successor yeah sorry that is better than it was yeah. and if it gives the successor the same problem yeah it can then solve it possibly even better
1: but it's so abstract
0: to think about
1: like what you know what is the problem we're giving that well computer? that's that's the just thing just make like, a smarter machine learning of
0: i mean machine learning is like a general practice it's like an approach mm. You know, you can use it for any range of different problems. Yeah. And if the problem that we're giving it is to make better machine learning techniques, solve climate change. Well, yeah, that's a great example. Well, to start, we'll kill all humans, and then we'll go from there. That's the crux <laughs> of it. Like, that's let's say that we're gonna happen. make. Let's say that we're gonna make an entire um, automated factory, yeah. whose job it is to make machines. That mm. will clean up the environment. And it's like, yeah. what's the fitness What's the fitness function? <laughs> it's just so... A reduction ridiculous. in CO2 levels. Okay, so we'll start by making some Terminators. Like, we'll start <laughs> by making this machine that can kind of, like, sequester carbon and put it underground. Yeah. And we see, like, a small improvement there. And then, like, the machine <laughs> runs over a human by accident mm. and buries him alive. mm And they're like, oh, well, you know, that guy was driving his car every day. Carbon went down. The carbon went down. (laughs) That was a very effective strategy. Let's try a little bit more of that. They've got the rules about not killing humans and stuff. Well, this is coming back (laughs) to that trolley problem. Like, what happens when a a computer programmer writes every line of code Mm. and their code malfunctions and kills someone? Mm -hmm. That person, that individual could become... Um, like liable they can yeah. be held responsible for the actions of their program yeah but when a co- machine learning developer develops an algorithm that causes yeah. harm to someone and he doesn't really understand how the no, thing works he just gave it the data and the wind conditions so who is responsible are <laughs> yeah. we comfortable saying that the actual machine was responsible well, I guess we have to be. Yeah, and what, if- is, what does that mean for, like, social structures and the law? Mm. If you can't make a computer program that knows the entire body of human law <laughs> and can use that entire database to form mm. its actions, which, by the way, is like an impossible task and law is interpreted, it's not like a clear set of rules, yeah. how can you guarantee that you're going to make these complete black box things that we don't understand how are you going to make them always obey the law or do the right thing? Yeah. Um, and it sounds the, like the start of the Animatrix. Or Well, as the jobs like, that
1: we give them are more complex. One day when a robot snapped and killed its owner, or, you know, not snapped, but it had that problem of, well, I've only got bad options and
0: it's forced into a corner. And then that it just, gets punished. Yeah. If it's got self-preservation as one of its <laughs> rules, it's going to be like, "What the fuck?" No, uh, I'm not going to let you turn me off. I just think we're,
1: I don't know, so far away from any kind of machine intelligence that's.
0: There's already gonna be close to that. There's already completely automated drones that are equipped with weapons. <laughs> yeah. That should be a serious concern to every living, thinking yeah. human being. Well, I think, like, multiple people,
1: Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking, have all said that AI is the greatest exis- existential crisis of mankind, like, period, for our entire history. It's a bigger problem than wars. It's this thing that we're Thing that no one understands, no one ades- understands, and just the rate of acceleration of intelligence. And you know, if the smartest humans in the world have an IQ of 170, 200, if we're talking about these machines that can create children essentially of themselves that are better than themselves. And they do that in an accelerated fashion. um, Where does that, what kind of
0: intelligence would that be? I mean, one thing that we haven't talked about that much is general intelligence. Yeah. So, all of these AIs and like, you know, super great image recognition platforms. They all have purposes. They're like single use. Yeah, Um, which is called weak AI, right? So, general purpose or general intelligence is the idea that you've got one single program Mm -hmm. that functions more like a human. Mm. Like, one of the reasons that these computers, like these chess playing robots, are so good is because they can play 200 million games of chess in two weeks. And a lot of the reason for that is, like, our human brain is much more complex than any of the machine learning Neural nets yeah. that just are able to solve a single problem. Yeah. They've- We've, like, cut- away, It's like we've taken a human brain and cut away all of the bits, mm. you know, that that deal with love and raising children <laughs> and, like, you know, being able to read or make mm. films, well, like- and Creativity is- Left the part that knows how to play chess. The analytical
1: problem-solving part, like, uh, actually having AI that- Comes up with its own creative uh, thoughts, if you want to call them that, that are outside the system. That's- uh, You know, creativity is a huge
0: part of human intelligence. This is one of the big philosophical questions yeah, that yeah. comes up with AI. Um, there, If you, you're a musician, mm. there's like a, a concept of music theory. Yeah. Music is one of the most mathematical. It is. And I've listened to AI music and it's never good. There, obviously. Well, I mean, there is some that is actually pretty fine. Indiscernible from real music. Yeah. yeah like um, specifically, if you look at classical music, like there are um, parts of music theory mm-hmm. that are very well used yep. to create um, like melodies, patterns, harmonies. Yeah.
1: You would think the computers would be better at it, really, if if you could give them all of the music that's been made, all of the notes, all of the patterns. The problem- Because that's all musicians are really doing. They're building on
0: previous music. Well, this is the crux of the question. So, the Mm. the reason that music is not easy to automate is because the fitness function is subjective. Yeah.
2: (laughs) You yeah, can't, what's the win condition? There's
0: no like win <laughs> or lose when you write a song. Yeah. You can play it for 10 people yeah. and five of them might be like, this is amazing. <laughs> and four of them might be like, this is awful. And yeah. one of them might be like, this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and so, because it's subjective and it has to be evaluated by a human... Wow, really, does it? if somebody was to develop, if a computer program were to come up with 10,000 songs, yeah. you'd have to get 10,000 people to listen to them and say yes or no, like I mm. liked it or I didn't like it. I wonder what, uh, if AI could ever have
1: appreciation, could you learn, could it learn what kind of music it liked? Not without humans telling it but first. that's a different level of intelligence, isn't it? Like, we know what we like based on what we've heard and our past and what,
0: you know, excites our ears. Well, this is where the whole creativity thing comes <laughs> back to, like, let's say that you did make that computer program and you, yeah. and you did have thousands of volunteers what? who were willing to listen to one-minute clips and say whether they liked it or not. Mm. In theory, you could definitely have... machine learning program that was able to write music that that had had, never been written before. and But
1: my question is, could it have taste?
0: (laughs) It would have the taste of the people who listened to the stuff and said whether it was good or not. Yeah. And it would just take all of their input and their general fuzzy, messy input and it would hone it down to like a razor thin set of sensibilities. And the question is, the philosophical question is, is that actually any different from what humans do? Yeah. Is there anything that gives us this subjective creativity or taste beyond just listening to thousands of songs (laughs) and being in a certain frame of mind when we hear them and then just picking the ones that gave us a positive dopamine response and rejecting the ones that didn't? Yeah. Can we build dopamine-like
1: systems into AI so that let's say there's... Millions of iterations of this AI creating songs and playing them to itself. I'm saying take humans out of the equation entirely. Could it develop- I imagine computers would like black MIDI. (laughs) Just like- Just crazy complex music that has millions of notes going all over the- You know, it could appreciate- patterns and I, th- I think that the unexpected p- changes and
0: things the problem <laughs> is that our dopamine system has a purpose mm. it is a system that has like a real um the- it there's a there's a problem to which it is a solution yeah so you can't just throw like a random thing into a computer and say you decide like our dopamine system may not have been built for evaluating music yeah but it's part of us and so we apply it, it applies. I think you could um you narrow it down to
1: well what triggers dopamine in humans and that's the win condition for the AI. But
0: that's what's subjective.
1: Yeah. yeah there's no one
0: different. because the the mm. whole brain, like our brain, none of our brains are the same. Mm. And it's like we all would have a different reaction to that one song and all computers can do is generalize. Yeah. Like machine learning is about, you know, um, when we talk about machine learning, things that can recognize the parts of an image, like you give it a photo and it goes, it's a man holding a baby and there's a red fire truck. (laughs) They have been trained on a data set that includes tens of thousands of photos that have been hand cataloged by humans. Mm. They can't do that without the humans providing that input first. It's like a data input
1: problem. You need to give the AI something. Yeah. Because I guess that's the question about artificial general intelligence. If you had an AI that we put in a robot body that had eyes and ears and then you're coming back to emulating humans, I guess, the rate of data input that it would gather is
0: only the same as a human, so... And it might have better sensors, but whether or not we could develop a computer that is, like, the human brain is hundreds and hundreds of different isolated systems that are wired together. And, like, they are each responsible for very different jobs. Mm. I think, you know, if you were to talk about general intelligence, for us, even, like, the... The data that's coming in through our eyeballs is very different than the data that we are actually working on when we think about stuff. Yeah, the raw. If you were to look at like um, a raw image versus like what a computer actually uses as its final input, that's much closer to what our brain is doing. Yeah, breaking down shapes and... And there's like at least seven physical networks between your retina yeah. and the part of the brain that takes like the very first actual input for decision making. Yeah, we do things like we look at brightness. We um, we detect all of the edges between objects yeah, because we're seeing a two D image. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like th- to have a computer that's capable of general intelligence, it would need. Pretty much most of the same Same sub parts. Well, let's separate
1: it a bit from trying to make it human-like. What if, you know, let's say Google has an AI, a general AI, and its input is the entire internet. Like, that's the input. So, it knows everything that's happening in the world at all times because news and twitter and people are inputting the information into the internet think of all that data and it's also got obviously the entire history of everything that has happened everything that's on wikipedia okay if you you think about that general intelligence ai that's an enormous data set that's that that's what i'm kind of trying to get out what problem is it solving well that's the question that General intelligence, it's such a different type of intelligence to, because humans have their own motivations. What motivations would a Google AI have other than let's get people to click more ads and <laughs> let's, let's improve our search yeah, algorithms and stuff.
0: You but know? computers don't have motivations. No, they don't. They have a program which solves a problem. They, they have a problem to solve. Yeah. If you even talk going right back to the very beginning of our discussion, the definition of intelligence, mm. it's being able to figure things out. Yeah. But we 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 have a specific example when we talk I about that. I guess we
1: would have to give it problems, right? So, just think in a couple of thousand years, there's this amazingly sophisticated AI Its IQ is 10,000. You know, it can calculate ridiculously quickly. It takes all the input that's coming through the internet, that's coming through people's phones. It knows the data of the whole world, really. But what are you going to use it for? Well, that's what I'm saying. We need to then, maybe that's where we ask it to help with climate change or we- Let's give it,
0: let's just use one specific example. Yeah. Like we give a computer access to all of the CCTV footage and all the phone records from a city and someone gets murdered. Yeah. And we say to the machine, tell us who murdered that guy. Yeah. Okay. So, if you look at machine learning techniques, the ones that we're currently using, Mm -hmm. you know, AlphaZero had to play 2 million games of chess. Yep before it could be put in a position where it was going to play chess. 200 million. (laughs) Yeah. So, are we going to give this general AI 200 million opportunities to solve crimes and just Mm. let it fuck up the first 100 million of them so that it can figure out whether it's doing a good job or not? Well, what it would do is
1: instantaneously be able to run all those scenarios of, was it this person, run through that scenario, was it that person, run through that scenario but that's it, it could evaluate 200 million results. people
0: in a day that's the end result that is the program finished and how it might work but, but yeah. we're talking about learning
1: if it's already in the future it has already learned
0: how how I does guess, it learn that's exactly what i'm saying learn? yeah. learning is a process through, of going through yeah. a process and seeing whether you did a good job or not I'm saying so... Things like chess are really easy. Yeah. Because it's a very simple set of rules and inputs and it's a very simple win condition and there's no yeah. consequence if the computer <laughs> makes 200 but million why mistakes. why can't the
1: computer run 200 million scenarios of different murderers in its own time and come up with the correct answer? Because well, there is a solution to that problem. Someone did
0: murder Someone. So, we're saying that this specific general AI has Mm. access to all of the CCTV footage. And everyone's social media, everything, yeah. But, like, it wouldn't have had that complete data set for every murder that's happened through history. No. And and it needs to be a repeatable thing. Chess is repeatable. You start from the same position and there's a very clear win or lose condition. Yeah, but it's like the primitive very basic version like if you but the idea that this since future ai that has all of this data and will be able to effortlessly do all this stuff like it still needs to be based on the same principles of machine learning yeah that are the facts of how that actually works mm. you need to give it a chance to to have a crack to like make an attempt to solve a problem and you need to be able to tell it whether it succeeded or failed yeah and so for like important problems that have real consequences i suppose it would have to give an evaluation
1: and like a probability so it's like i'm 70% sure it was this person and we would need to build laws that were like, you need a 95% computer evaluation to be found
0: guilty. The only way that I can (laughs) see that system working is that it actually has to run in parallel with like the normal legal system for like a hundred years. And it keeps needing to give a judgment. Yep. Without knowing what the human version of that system is doing, yep. and only after it goes for ten years, <laughs> always making the correct judgment, could you ever actually well, I think use it?
1: That's a really important point. We don't have to just cede control to the AIs. We don't just have to say, "AI, who killed this person?" Tell us the answer. We can. The power in d- developing these AIs is the powerful pairing of humans and ai yeah but we bring different types of intelligence and it's that pairing that is going to be the kind of future of the species it's like we're going to be hand in hand with these ais they're not going to take over i don't think
0: i just want to go back to that and i agree with what you're saying but i just want (laughs) to go back to what we were actually talking about was general intelligence Mm -hmm. we have an ai where we can just say solve this problem for me yep and it figures out how to solve the problem yeah and the example that we gave it was tell me who murdered this guy (laughs) and what i was trying to point out was that there's a whole process there's a whole process that involves lots of human input yeah in that example yeah we've got a hundred years physically collect we've got dna samples and stuff but i mean even in the decision making what we're saying is for that thing to work we need to have like a hundred years of case history where it's tried and attempted yep. an answer yeah. and we had to evaluate how good it was mm. and that's just for that one question Before who murdered this guy yeah. for general intelligence you need to be able to solve any problem and we can't make a general intelligence that we we go okay here's a question and we'll help you for a hundred years to figure <laughs> out how to solve the problem mm. no one would consider that general intelligence no. and that's not a, that's not how humans work we have one life and one shot mm. and yet somehow we are able to generalize about our environment and learn from our previous experience to be able to take every moment and every decision and just come to a general yeah. solution to every problem. That
1: actually raises an interesting point with these AIs are essentially immortal. Yeah. Potentially, like if their servers are maintained and they, the Google AI... Or, you know, any of these ones that we're talking about, I'm sure probably that all of the bigger countries in the world are developing sophisticated general intelligence AIs uh, that will outlive their creators and live for generations of people.
0: Like, it's just crazy to think about what kind of intelligence they'll have. I think the whole idea behind general intelligence is like a bit pointless. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've proven that machine learning can be used to find excellent solutions to very specific S- problems systems, yeah. where we have like a very clear method for like training it and evaluating it. And then mm. it's good at like one specific job. Yep. The idea of like creating a general intelligence that can just do anything <laughs> is kind of like, it's not going to be better than us no. because the thing that makes us weak is that we're a general intelligence. (laughs) Humans are like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. We can make these really surgical, um, you know, generative networks that solve like really specific problems in ways that we can't. Yes. Um, We don't really need a general intelligence because it's going to, then become really inefficient. Right. Yeah, we we are the general intelligence. Yeah.
1: The human species. Because we've got these 200 different yeah, parts okay. of our brain that all do
0: different so things. So, you don't think we need a general intelligence? We will probably- Because there's too many
1: questions and there's too much-
0: I think it will probably <laughs> be an inevitability, but it could yeah. take like-
2: a thousand a years yeah.
0: like it's not just it's a lot further away than people think it's not just yeah. creating the computer program it's like all of the learning <laughs> of mm. every different facet of all the different problems mm. that we want it to be able to solve Yeah. it will take ages yeah. and eventually maybe it will be better but i just think for right now a much more pragmatic approach yep. is leaving humans to have like abstract judgments. leave Let us do what we're good at. And value judgment and morals and all that stuff. Yeah. And use computers in this surgical, like, one problem. Task-based problems. I think that'll be the future for, like, easily the next few hundred years. Yeah.
1: What do you think about the merging of human intelligence and AI in that, I mean, we're almost cyborgs already with our phones. Every single person has if you've got a phone, access to all the information in
0: the world. Yeah, before- like, we're, we're almost there. Before we merge human <laughs> consciousness with AI, yeah. I think the first step is to merge human hardware with computer hardware. Yeah. And that's something that's happening. Yeah, well,
1: Elon Musk is doing that neural network project and he defines the main problem with uh, human computer interaction as an input data flow issue because all we can do at the moment is type or talk essentially use a mouse or whatever like there's a few different types of things but it's very it's a limited bandwidth of information that's flowing from person to computer um so i think what his project is i don't know if you know more about it but essentially kind of trying to bypass those physical limitations of typing in things or speaking words because it's very slow. It's slower than thought um, if you can make a connection straight to the neural network of the brain.
0: uh, They're doing some interesting stuff now where they've got kind of like a hat that you can wear (laughs) and it's got lots of sensors and it kind of – but it's still (laughs) really –
1: My boss at one of my previous works – got these sensors that he stuck on his head that were a very primitive version of that. Yeah. And he was using them in games and stuff to yeah. like um, you know, open your inventory or something if you think open your inter- and it sort of works. Yeah. Like it recognises, I don't know, the the brain waves or something when you think that. Yeah. If you it has to learn your brain waves though.
0: But it's it's <laughs> and, and the sensors that we've got like they're very low resolution currently. Mm. You know, you can't pinpoint like a single neuron. No. (laughs) Um, And that wouldn't even make sense because that's not really, there's not like a single neuron that's responsible. Is thinking faster than talking and speaking? Thinking comes before talking and speaking, hopefully for most of us humans. (laughs) 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 Except ones with very poor manners. Well,
1: there's also that bit where you think and then you speak. You're thinking before you're speaking. Like the speaking is your output. I don't know if having a computer directly wired into your brain, you would have to, I suppose, train and learn how to give the computer input from your brain that was properly filtered because like there's a lot of thoughts bouncing around in your head at all times yeah
0: but i mean like i said currently it's very low resolution yeah it's basically like (laughs) if you just if if you just think of left yeah and you just think of left over and over again each time that you think that one thought yeah there's like a certain pattern Mm. of neurons that will light up in your brain Mm. and it's Not always exactly the same, but it's like similar every time. Is that what Elon's thing is? A hat that you wear that senses what's happening in your brain? It's like this really low resolution version of it. Yeah. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, (laughs) when you think of like just you as an individual, you might think left and you might think orange. And those two are like- just very similar patterns mm. in your brain, the computer will get confused about which one you mean. Yeah. So, you have to train it. It has to be able to recognize very distinct different things. Yep. And then you can actually, they, they have working ones that you can use right now <laughs> that are able to take very basic input. It's
1: hard to see how that's going to be that beneficial, honestly. Like, humans communicate with each other by speaking yeah. and typing, and that's been fine. I don't understand how much... Like, we can't output
0: that much more bandwidth, can we? Well, think about how many muscles you've got. Yeah. And you don't consciously control every individual one of them. No, true. But you say walk and your body just knows what to do. Yeah. There is a tremendous amount of bandwidth in a system. The question is whether we can... um, whether we can read the right data. But I feel like a lot and of And whether that- we can process it in a way to derive meaning from it. Yeah. Like the whole natural language processing thing, just taking a simple sentence mm. and pulling the meaning out of it. I mean, it's taken us like 50 years to solve yeah. that problem. Yeah. And that's just for like the cat is red. <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs>
1: yeah. Is the, um, what's the, who's the guy that, Moore's Law? Is that, so Moore's Law talks about- the power of computers
0: doubling every how f- his like actual few pred- years or something. I think his actual prediction was that the amount of space that they take up will sh- will yeah become Get smaller okay. every eighteen months. Every eighteen months was it? Some so there's no processing power. It's it's a corollary because right. the smaller something is, yeah. the faster electrons will move through it. Yeah, and that's basically what a computer does. So. And his prediction mm. held up for like a long time. but it has sort of started to it probably slow fell down. off about ten years ago. yeah and now we're hitting physical limitations of that's right the universe <laughs> like, um, but it's also um, you know like when you look at the structure of a human brain, there's not just one um there's not just like one unit with inputs and outputs. It's Mm. this network of attached parts. Mm. And that's kind of what computers are starting to do now. Like instead of making one CPU twice as fast, they just put two CPUs and, and have a higher level um, orchestrator that can figure out how to put data through both of them Mm. to try and achieve (laughs) never quite exactly twice the speed, Mm. but like, one and a half times faster and you can buy computers now that have like 64 or 128 or 256 cores wow but the problem is that people aren't good at writing computer programs (laughs) that use parallel um computing very well but but neural nets is one of the best Mm -hmm. methods for writing computer programs that do Mm. i guess the other fear that people have is yeah that they're going to be
1: weaponized and different countries are going to have like you're saying those drones
0: Unfortunately, not every human out there has the same values. Yeah. And when a lot of us are like pretty confident that we don't want ever to have a robot on earth that feels comfortable killing a human. (laughs) Mm. There are people who have been making weapons. That do that. (laughs) For thousands of years and those people clearly have a different moral compass. Mm. They just want to make money or they just want to make their thing better. I think that's
1: the danger. The danger is groups of humans
0: making super powerful
1: AIs that have the motivations of that group of humans.
2: And
0: and unfortunately, (laughs) like, you can make a weapon and that's a physical thing. Yeah. Um, Making computer programs, like, they can be copied. They can travel at the speed of light. (laughs) You know, if you um, make, if you literally make a machine that can make drones, Mm. like, start to finish. Yeah. Um, and then you say, oh, well, we're going to use natural, um, you know, machine learning to give this machine the ability to reprogram itself to be mm. slightly faster or make its weapons slightly more effective. And we feel like that territory belongs to us,
1: but there's other people living there or something like, should we be scared, Lindsay?
0: There is a really good video <laughs> on the internet that's kind of a propaganda piece um, trying to get people to resist the idea that drones and machines should be used for killing. Mm. And the basic thing is, um, you know, a military contractor makes a drone that is like autopilot and you just give it the facial, Um, because facial recognition is impeccable. You give it the facial, you just give it a photo of somebody Mm. and a general location and it will fly around and kill that person. You know, like- Has there not
1: been a Geneva Convention type
0: agreement on machines? It's all way behind. Right. And like, if you think about this in logical steps- They need to have another one. In the Iraq war, Mm. I think the US killed something like 600,000 civilians innocent enemy non-combatants. That is a huge waste of life. Mm. And everybody agrees that it's a horrible thing. So these weapons makers are like, well, you know, maybe we don't have to drop a bomb on a city because we know that there's one high value target. Maybe we'll drop a bomb that's just full of drones and they'll all have the facial recognition pattern of the guy. Yeah. And they'll just go and fly up to him and each one will have a bomb and (laughs) it will just hit him. And explode and that one guy is dead who's defining who the bad guys are well that's that's one question and there's already laws and the geneva convention and and rules of engagement that countries have to follow when they do stuff like that Um, whether or not you agree with them as an individual Mm. there's kind of like a consensus that wars happen and there have to be rules but then it's like that whole schematic for that drone and all of the code that runs it as soon as somebody gets A copy of that and they're like a terrorist (laughs) or they're part of a fringe political group Mm. they have it and they can make the same thing Mm. all of a sudden they can use it to target all people who have dark skin or they can use it to target people who have facial characteristics that have been associated with um homosexuality Mm. and all of a sudden these fringe groups that have very different beliefs but very strong convictions they have the 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 power to be able to use that in ways that most Mm. of us would agree we don't want Mm. so i think it is a mistake to jump straight into weaponizing ai and (laughs) robots yeah like do we really want more weapons in the world oh man We've, we've dismantled nuclear weapons, which we all agreed were too powerful. Mm. I think there's a very clear analogy. Yeah, surely we must. Just the fact that you can
1: kind of copy them and they can fall into the wrong hands. and
0: Yeah, it's scary. Scary stuff. But, scary, you know, but on the flip side, I think yeah, more think people <laughs> are using AI to solve like real problems. Yeah. At the moment, a lot of it's quite trivial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, yeah, it, well, we're just a still human, not that good at it. A lot of human needs are pretty trivial, really. Like
1: everything you search in Google, you know, all that stuff.
0: It's just unfortunately, <laughs> like most AI right now is being harnessed to um, serve more targeted ads, <laughs> and that's a depressing thought. Yeah, it's kind of. We've yeah. talked about that in the social media episode. I like
1: episode. to be optimistic about it and think of a future where humans and AI are you know, hand in hand, paired together, both empowering the other. You know, we have creativity and general intelligence and they have, you know, obviously amazing processing power and they can be very surgical and task-oriented. I think that's
0: a good future. I'd love to see AI cooking. <laughs> I'd love to see it because yeah. recipes are like, like pretty easy to- Follow a perfect recipe. Recipes are pretty easy to like rationalize About (laughs) and (laughs) and put into like a concrete Process Yeah, yeah. but then it's like Being able to be like oh that was a little bit too Salty (laughs) or like it could Have been crispier Mm -hmm. like those are the Kind of um, inputs that have like a, a clear solution AI is coming for your jobs next and like <laughs> I find it hard to always remember when I've gone two months between cooking a recipe yeah uh, what exactly did I want to do yeah, and what then did it's we do like, last time that made that really awesome then there's the whole mechanical <laughs> aspect of it like yeah. I flip the egg and it breaks because I'm a clumsy human <laughs> like I would love to get a, an AI cook that has all the hardware mm. it knows the ingredients and knows the proportions and yeah. it can like just subtly change the recipe. Yeah. And you're like, this was really good. And it's, and it's integrated like, great. with your like fridge. So you My just internet say, connected okay, fridge.
1: <laughs> this week we want spaghetti bolognese, uh, potatoes, and steak. It like orders it all online. Yep. A machine delivers it to your house. Yep. And then it cooks it all for you. It's
0: ready for you when you walk. It's a bloody great idea. Lindsay. Walk home. Yeah. We don't have to cook. We've got more time to watch Netflix. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with, like, if AIs replace a lot of jobs and a lot of, you know, manual jobs. And, like, I had never thought of cooking for an AI thing. That's really cool. Like, people have to come up with the recipes, obviously, but there's billions of recipes already. Um, What jobs are going to be safe, I guess, is the
0: good question. What jobs can't computers do? I don't know. I mean, if we're talking (laughs) infinitely long time scales, they can probably do all of it. Creative jobs have to be the thing that people are good at. Going back to that music, um, and we didn't really finish that conversation, but like if Mm. if music is really just applications of this simple mathematics and the parts of music that resonate with us emotionally are kind of like um, just trial and error... Yeah. Um, if we have a system that can iterate more quickly than human musicians can, mm. then absolutely machines can write new songs. And it can emulate human voice
1: as well. Yep. Can it emulate, yeah. Oh, people have a really strong reaction when the voice breaks on this line. So let's put that into it <laughs> yeah
0: but like what is creativity
1: you know you talk about an artist yeah where does it come from it's like crea- you know new making new leaps new connections it's it's that newness but of it's, problem solving
0: and I think more than that it's the reaction that it evokes in people mm. and like you can there's a thousand artists for every one artist that's successful yeah. <laughs> you know it's not to say that humans are good at art yeah, it's a, it's, a <laughs> it's like a scale thing. Yeah. You know, there's a thousand musicians for every successful musician. And even the successful musician wrote hundreds of songs. Yeah. Before they wrote the one that you really like. Yeah, I think it's called the
1: Predo distribution. It's the square root of the total population that- So, yeah, if there's a thousand musicians, 33 of them will be successful and known. And yeah, they might all write 100 songs each, but only 10 of those songs from each artist
0: will be good. And you didn't and even liked. hear most of them. Yeah, you know, you photographers take a thousand <laughs> photos and yeah. then you only see one. Yeah. So, I think creativity is um, definitely achievable.
1: Mm, interesting stuff. Yeah, this um, has
0: been really fun, man. This is one yeah. of my favourite and I AI. feel like... Lindsay's a bit of an expert on AI. I have studied AI, but I feel like <laughs> there's so many interesting, not just technical stuff. We can keep stuff, going, yeah. The philosophical stuff just opens up. The, so many questions about humanity. It really does. really does. It's it, it. Look, it's
1: an exciting future, I think,
0: Yeah. even in the
1: rest of our lifetime, where it's going to go. Um, beyond that, who knows? Mm. You know, let's stay optimistic <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. And if you liked this one and you want to hear more stuff like this, let us know. Mm, Thanks, guys.
2: See ya. Bye.